0: Hello and welcome to IEEE Software Robotics Podcast. Uh, could you please introduce yourself?
1: Hello, my name is Kaspar althofer i I'm the head of the Center for Advanced Robotics at Queen Mary.
0: Thanks for joining us. Um, I would like to go back when you were a child. Do you have any memories that make you interested in science or trigger your imagination to where you are today now, if you remember?
1: Yeah, um, yeah looking back, um, I would say I was interested in engineering from the beginning and uh, in particular electronics. So I was very interested in building my own circuits and and, and creating small devices. So one of the things I remember um, was a system that allowed a disc jockey in a discotheque to mix music. So in the olden days we had turntables with you know um, vinyl records on them, and um, so my program would allow the disc jockey then to actually match the rhythm of one song with the next one, so to effectively create a continuous music experience um, for yeah for the the people in the discotheque. So that that is one one of the things I remember and. Definitely um, was a lot of fun and uh, something I, I continued doing and, uh, and and definitely also brought me towards the world of mechatronics and, and, and robotics.
0: Interesting. So if I ask you what is the first soft robot you built and what the feeling you had at this time, if you remember as well?
1: Yeah, I, I do remember. And actually, that was um, not such a long time ago. Um, so when when I started uh, with robotics uh, at King's College London, um, that is already now um, yeah 27 or so years ago, uh, doing my PhD there, um, that was in robotics, but we used off-the-shelf robots and we continued to do so for many years. But then, um, maybe around eight years ago or so, ten years ago, I actually started to make my own robots. And uh, this being a soft robot, it was actually made on a sewing machine. So, I was uh, um, doing that by myself at home and actually um, uh, going back to many years ago, when my mother taught me on how to use the sewing machine, so I used those skills which I had learned as a child to make my first robot. And uh, uh, we still have videos of it. I don't know whether it still exists, but um, yeah. So that was a was a nice experience.
0: Interesting. So since you have this overwhelming experience, how you think? How would you think best definition for soft robotics from your expertise?
1: Um, a soft robotics, yeah. So there are, there are many opinions on that, uh, very varied opinions on what a soft robot is. And there are colleagues who say a soft robot is a system that behaves in a compliant way to the environment. So, according to, to them, even a robotic device that is made from uh, hard components, you know, hard, hard parts, rigid parts can be considered a soft robot um, because there's possibly a control algorithm behind the robotic device that would allow the robot to behave in a way that it's compliant to the environment so if, if in contact with a human it would you know smoothly avoid the, the, the human and create this uh, this kind of compliance in a software way for, however for me it's it's a very clear-cut thing. Um, for me, soft robots are soft material robots. So robots that are made from soft materials and I mentioned already fabric earlier, so where the sewing machine comes in, but also a silicone rubber. Um, so robots made from these materials are for me um, soft robots.
0: And if I ask you, what you think maybe is the most important question that we as a community have to focus on? And maybe you are not really considering them in the moment and we have to.
1: Yep, um, I mean, I, I, I see a lot of advantages using soft robots, so they are um, inherently much safer than the, the rigid um, component counterparts or so the more traditional robots. Um, which we know from the, um, the manufacturing environment, for example. So, these robots yeah, are inherently not safe. They need to be safe, made safe possibly through software. The advantage of soft robots, soft material robots, is that they are fairly safe and can be used within, um, for example, the vicinity of humans or even being in direct contact with humans without too much of a problem. However, there are also, of course many, many issues there um, and uh, so one of the biggest problems is to actually achieve um, precision control. So a, a soft robot um, has all these advantages, but on the other hand it's difficult to control them, difficult to bring them into the actual position you want to be in. That is one of the disadvantages, and another big challenge is that soft robots are soft, and they are, um, how can I say, they are soft throughout. That is that is the 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 main feature they have, and that means they cannot apply large forces to the environment. Although this has of course advantages, they are safe, but big disadvantages: they cannot uh, lift a very high payload. So, the ultimate dream that I have is to create robotic devices that can actually change the the stiffness. So, they can be soft when required and then, you know, change into another state, into a stiffer state, when required, for example, to lift up um, a high payload or to carry out a task that actually requires a higher force.
0: I think that's a very important, interesting point. So, if I ask you, since we have a trade off between the force we produce of robotics and the response time, and it seems that at the moment we don't have both of them at the same time high performance and fast response. How we can, maybe, what do you think maybe is the best approach so that we can reach this level?
1: Yep, uh, that is also a very good question. Um... I, I would think we should try to take more inspiration from biology, um, create a better understanding on how biology is doing it, how humans are doing it, how animals are doing it. Because there we can see extremely fast um, response times or very short response times. We can see very fast behavior. And uh, at the same time, um, yeah, bio- biology has shown us that as a as a human, as an animal, you you can not only react quickly, but you can also react very accurately in 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 that world that you're operating in. So I think that is a if yeah I I, I think I think that's what we should really try to um, exploit in a better way, and I think that requires also in the first instance a better understanding on how things are happening in nature, how biology is doing it.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's all very interesting. And I'm going to ask you, do you think we have to fully understand how the physics behind in the smart material, since you stressed about uh, soft material? And and that's something also we witness, For example, non-linearities can bring opportunities to robotics. Um, But however, sometimes the traditional control techniques Destroy this dynamic, natural dynamics in soft robotics. So, how you see this uh, approach? That to which level we have to understand the material very well.
1: Yeah, um, definitely a very important point. Trying to understand smart materials in a better way. Um, and, uh, or, or even to understand s- simple materials in a better way. So l- like silicone rubber, for example, by itself already a big challenge and, and many researchers around the world are working on getting a better understanding, improving the, the kind of models that we have. And I, I, I totally agree that is essential to improve then also the, the control of these robotic devices. And uh, so you mentioned nonlinearity, and I, I totally agree there as well. That can bring a lot of opportunities. So I think we have to embrace that. We have to actually see how we can use the um, the materials to embrace intelligence, to or instill intelligence into them, and. So here, I think the material comes very closely together with the the structure, the 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 functional structure of the robotic device. And so, what I would like to to see to happen more is that we can create these robotic devices or end effectors that have the um, the capability to take on some of the the control that is otherwise necessary. So if we design our robotic devices in a way that they can um, interact with the environment in a very natural way, then maybe our controller does not need to be so complicated. And I I, I think soft robotics by itself is is there really on on the right track, and um, I, I give an example um, so if if you think about a uh, soft robotic gripper made of soft material, let's say fabric or silicone rubber, and and then um, you you will experience that it's much easier to pick up a wide range of very different objects without actually a complicated control algorithm behind it. So I think we we have a number of advantages here actually. To make better use of these different materials, and actually to reduce the control burden that is otherwise required. But I, I also agree we we need to to understand the models you know, or the the behaviors of these materials in a better way, and that also includes the nonlinearities that these behave, these materials um, have. Mm-hmm.
0: That's also very important. So I would like to ask you, firstly, why do you design soft robotics and soft robot, and how you can predict what is the most significant parameters that could really change over-over behavior. Of course, that comes to another question of modeling, and I would like to ask you to which level or scale we have to go for. It's like in continuum scale or microscopic scale or merging both of them.
1: Yeah. Um... Um, yeah I, I I would I would answer that question very generally um, i I think it is important to um, look at, uh, at modeling, but i I think um, it's it's difficult to say whether now one approach is better than the other um, microscopic, continuum, microscopic i I think a a holistic approach is important. So to really um, incorporate all aspects of the the, the overall structure. Um, obviously, sensing comes into it as well, and and the 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 uh, interaction with the the computer that sits behind it and provides possibly the more high-level um, navigation and control signals.
0: Mm-hmm. What are the most misconceptions you have witnessed about soft robotics? Something maybe concerning or misconception?
1: Um, yeah, okay. Uh, very good question as well. Um, so I would say there is a, the the feeling in people that uh, robots will take over the world one day. I think that is one of the the, the biggest concerns that uh, many, many people have. Um, the public, but also colleagues, and um, that applies not only to soft robotics but also to general robotics. But my my feeling is that that we are very far away from from that kind of problem, and um, it is uh, I mean at this very moment we we don't have the the capabilities to create robotic devices that, for example, can take over the world one day. So this is very unlikely to happen. Um, and uh, let's 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 say maybe one day there is this 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 super robot that will, will emerge. Um, I think we should also be positive about it because um, the the human race will come to an end at some point. Uh, and if if in the way we um, you know, treat our environment, it might be quicker than, um, than we thought. And then we might have a um, um, possibility there to actually um, leave our legacy behind through creating um, robotic devices, which can then, you know, effectively, Continue our ideas and our our principles of, of uh, thinking beyond uh, our 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 time. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So coming back to your research folks, if you can tell us more about what the challenges you face and maybe limitation in the short term as well and long term.
1: Yeah, um, I think challenges are to. Um, to create devices that can act in a a practical and and useful way. So at the moment, what I can see is lots of research happening in soft robotics. And I think that is is very good. And I I really am very happy to see that around the world, many colleagues working in that field, it's really booming. But at the moment, I have the feeling most of these robotic devices that are being created are just there to show the concept, to show the the idea of a soft robot is a good one, it works. However, we need to now move forward and look at practical applications. So to really see can we now make this next step, Um, and we have seen it in the uh, in the manufacturing environment, if we look at the the rigid component robots, the traditional ones, they have been very successful there. So really, you know, have, have been applied and and have made really a, a change in uh, in industry. So now, can we achieve something similar with soft robots? And uh, I think there are many areas. So for example, um, the care of humans, care of the elderly. Um, in interaction with humans and all kinds of levels. Uh, And and, and also just the the interaction with more rough and uh, unstructured environments, so outdoor vehicles. So I can see a number of uh, areas where these robots could be very useful. However, we are not quite there yet. Um, So we need to really now see what what is missing? Uh, what do we need to do to turn these machines that we are developing into something useful, something applicable? And here we need to, I mean, as I said earlier, to I I believe look into biology, see what we can learn there, and then uh, yeah move forward to create these uh, more advanced machines.
0: Mm-hmm. So if I ask you, what is the biggest technological roadblocks? That as a community we have to acknowledge and tackle it in, in five years, for example? Or, yeah. Do you think any of technological roadblocks we have for the moment?
1: There are, there, are those, there are many things that come together. So I, I think uh, we need to look more at um, the, um, yeah, what comes under um, uh, morphological computation. Um, and uh, uh, explore that further to see whether we can create devices that have this kind of computational or this, let's say, mechanical intelligence built in and, and, and can carry out tasks in a better way. So, I think more research needs to be done in that area. I would like to also go to another area which is um, very interesting. And that is uh, the area of artificial intelligence and uh, machine learning. So I, I think there is a lot of scope there and a lot of potential. And we have seen already how AI has transformed other areas, for example, vision. I mean computer vision is now a very hot and, and, and much more advanced area than a few years ago. However, the, the danger I can see is that we create systems that do the job, but we don't understand why. So it's it's good for engineering, it's good for you know solving problems, but it does not advance our understanding of science. So that is, that is an issue I have with uh, AI.
0: I can't agree more with this point, and strictly for, as you mentioned, for opportunities for machine learning, for example, generative design of the soft robot. But still, the modelling issue that if you want to go to black box modelling and ignoring maybe the physical parameters or how the system behaves, that's I don't know. That's maybe there's a gap here. I don't know if you share the same concern. For
1: that. Yeah, I I I I totally agree. I mean I. I, I, I think it is interesting it's possibly even good how artificial intelligence AI is embra- embraced these days to um, yeah to solve problems and yeah as you said uh, to, to have this black box approach because we don't have anything else at the moment so that that really helps us to to solve a number of problems but I think at the same time, um, and I agree with you completely, We should continue looking into uh, getting a better understanding of, of the situation. Um, and, and, and really, you know, see whether we, we can yeah, ha- have the understanding of, of, for example, how biology is doing it, uh, develop analytical models. And in this way, I think we will then progress science, and, and create um, better soft robots in the long run.
0: So we have a few questions left. Um, as you, like group leader, how you can, with your team, how you can ensure that develop soft robotics will be beneficial to humanity or a community as a whole? You have a project for five years, four years, and how you make sure this meeting your end goals by the end of the project?
1: Yep. Um, so I, um, yeah, I, 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 as you know, I work at uh, at Queen Mary University of London, and I'm the director of the Centre for Advanced Robotics there. And um, so we are um, working at different areas. Uh, so, we work in human robot interaction, so creating robots that can collaborate with humans. For example, um, we are looking at robots that can help surgeons in the operating theater. But we are also looking at uh, robots that can go into very rough terrain. And at the moment, we are developing robots that um, um, are based on the principle of eversion. And so these are robots that can uh, be inflated and uh, during this inflation process they actually expand longitudinally and in this way we can go through very very narrow openings and explore the the space behind it, for example under a building. But we see also um, possibilities there for search and rescue, so where people could be helped that are you know trapped under a collapsed building during an earthquake, for example. So these are um, some of our activities um, in 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 the area of soft robotics, and um, so I, I of course rely very much there on the the many PhD students that I'm collaborating with to actually move these different areas forward.
0: Forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I ask you how we can or can we enable a more inclusive culture around competitive ideas? We have to seek for funding and grants. So, uh, and there is a sphere competition in academia in general. So, how we can maintain inclusive culture while we have competition in ideas?
1: Yeah, um, I suppose. Uh, um, yeah, I, I suppose both elements are very good. We want to be inclusive on the one hand, but I think competition is also um, a useful thing because it uh, pushes people to you know move further um, and, um, and 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 yeah, come up with some uh, new ideas to to you know perform or to have systems that can perform better than what the competition can do. Um, So I I think it's a yeah it's a it's a difficult question. I don't know whether I have a a good answer to that. Um, I mean I I think uh, I think it's uh, it's it's obviously we want to include uh, as many people as possible. um, On the other hand, it sometimes needs a um, a really strong driving force. If there is an idea that one wants to you know, push forward to, to ensure that these ideas are developed and, and are brought to, to, a, um, to a higher level. Um, I mean, having the idea is of course the, the foundation for, for science um, and innovation. However, it's not, not everything. A lot of additional work is needed to turn then the, the idea into, uh, into a prototype, into yeah, you know, go from the concept to a, to a real system that one can test and, 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 and present. Um, yeah, so I think that, that, that should not be, be lost uh, in any kind of uh, model for the future, um, yeah, the way research is done. So,
0: if I ask you, do you think ego is important for the researcher?
1: Um, I and, and I think that uh, that links very nicely to the the answer I've given beforehand I, I think it is important um, yeah I, I think the the, 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 good, the good idea uh, very important it needs to be there but then you need to have also the the ego to to push it through and um, yeah so I, I think you you, you you need to have a certain ego also also to to believe um Believe that 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 believe in your ideas. Believe that this what you are there creating, that what you are proposing, can can lead to something, and then pursue it and push it push it through.
0: And if I ask you, what do you think uh, the most important quality you have gained through your journey in academia, and something you have to maintain?
1: Yeah, I I I think. the the most important thing is not to give up so that that is advice i have received from uh, different colleagues uh, during my career so writing papers um, writing grant applications there's lots of rejection happening the most important thing is to say okay never mind i i i just continue and i'll i'll try again i think this kind of persistence, this of this kind of not giving up, is is the most important uh, aspect for a researcher.
0: And lastly, what was the best advice was given to you, whether personally or professionally, and was the life-changing for you?
1: And I, I, I think I just repeat uh, what I just said. So really, to, to. Uh, be like a stand-up comedian, yeah, so you 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 present to to the audience. They reject you. They they uh, you know kick you out, and you just come back like a stand-up comedian and and try again. So really, to be persistent and and to believe in your own ideas um, and 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 not to give up. I think that is the the best advice I have received. And that's what I would also say to my PhD students. That's great.
0: Do you have any final words for the soft robotics community? You would like to say.
1: Um, uh, um, very very happy to be part of that, and um, it's I think it's a it's a um, fantastic community, very vibrant, very forward thinking. And it yeah, gives me great pleasure to, to be part of it and to create these kind of new astounding devices. And uh, yeah, hopefully we will also find out more and more what we can use them for.
0: Thank you, I really enjoyed this discussion. Thanks so much for your time, thank you.
1: Okay, yeah, good, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks a lot.